The following program contains views that are not those of WVTC, iNetworks Communications, their subsidiaries, affiliates or financial supporters. Welcome to the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show, where we get to the root of things and apply the Word of God to every aspect of our lives. Worship, application, and read is how we declare war upon the enemy and bring the light of God and His love for us into every atmosphere. Join your host, author, and singer-songwriter, April D. Metzler, as she and a few special guests dive deep into Scripture and demonstrate the Bible in action through their testimony. April is passionate about understanding the heart behind every subject and helping you pursue a relationship with God for a victorious life every day. Are you ready for real, candid, and vulnerable conversations about God, His Word, and His love for you? Grab your Bible, pen, and study pad, and let's get it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a broadcast here on WBTC Gospel Radio Network. I'm your host, April D. Metzler, and I have another awesome chapter in 1 Timothy that we're going to conquer in our Declaring War segment here on the RSVP show. And we are delving into a lot of things that may or may not be touchy from a lot of people, depending upon what church you go to, who your circles are, but we're going to dive into them anyways. So a lot of changes in culture over the years has found us this this type of subject that we're going to be delving into a little bit, uh, maybe even unfamiliar territory. Who knows? So thank you so much again for joining. And again, we will be diving into this here shortly. But before we do, begin, we're going to dive into some prayer for this broadcast, as well as for everybody that is tuning in now on the live, and we'll catch this on the replay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. We just thank you. We praise your name for who you are. We settle our spirits and, and we sit before you right now as we open up the word of God so that we can be poured into through the Holy Spirit's teaching, leading and guiding us into all truths. Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity to be here today to do the work that you have called us to do for your hope for your calling. God, we thank you that you have blessed us with those around us. We thank you that you have provided for all of their needs to be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We thank you that the, the truth that you have for us in Jesus has made us free in all areas of our lives. And we thank you that you are teaching us more and more what it looks like in action to be led by you and to love you and love others, to honor you and to honor others, God. And we give you all the glory, all of the praise in all things that we do. Um, we submit these things before you, Father. We ask for peace and grace to be upon every person that tunes into this broadcast we ask for the mercy that that is has been given you know to us as individuals to be given upon others help us to not judge others help us to pray for others pray for all people god thank you for uh, giving us more wisdom and understanding every new day that we submit these things like this to you father so that we can learn from you what it looks like to love and to be loved we thank you and praise your name. We give you all honor and glory. And we have come to you in the name of Jesus, knowing that it will be done unto us when we ask these things. And any any people that are that are hurting right now, God, we just ask for you to comfort them, bring your presence and awareness even even in greater magnitude than what it was before. Um, pour into them your real love. Wrap them up in whatever it is that they're going through right now, Father. Let them know that they are not alone so that they undeniably know that it's you as they can call upon your name and you will hear their voice. God, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for who you are to us in every capacity. Amen. 
All right, you guys. So um, we're in First Timothy. We're in chapter five, and we're diving right into this scripture. Um, verse one is going to be diving into, actually, in my NASB translation that I read out of over the airwaves here, it's actually going to be diving into a little bit of um, just proper treatment, right? Of church members. And so it says in verse one, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. And we're in verse three now. It says, honor widows who are widows indeed, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house and give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them and the church must not be burdened so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. So now we're switching the topic here. It says honor the elders. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin re rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sin of others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise, also deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. All right. So we are wrapping up the first letter to Timothy that Paul is trying to navigate as much as he can. It looks like all the many aspects of leadership and what it looks like to operate as a leader of a church body. And so he's pouring into Timothy the many facets that he may come in, you know, into contact with as he's dealing with this stuff. So um, general treatment, though, let's talk about that. You know, what does it look like to honor others in all our ways? You know, we are we are not um, causing division, right? We're not going to be causing 
strife. We're not going to be causing conflict. We're not going to be arguing with one another. What we're going to do is seek to maintain that peace in the bond of unity, you know, in the spirit. And so what does it look like, though, for us to do that now um, and and not give in to the cultural temptations to do otherwise? So one of the things that, you know, we see in today's world, there there is actually more of a lack of um, that common courtesy and respect versus you know twenty years ago uh, what we would what we would consider being respectful of our elders and considerate of others, right? And so one of the things that that this may look like is very traditional thought processes, um, and a lot of people will probably argue that point. But I challenge you to consider, you know, um, okay, what's the opposite of, of respect is disrespect. The opposite of honor is dishonor. So which bucket would you rather be, you know, in when someone sits there and says, oh, wow, that person is respectful. That person is honoring others. That's great. You know, like, or would you want to be in the other bucket? So we, we've got to be mindful though, because it doesn't matter what it is that we do in this life. Um, our actions, our words, our, even our behavior, like our responses, whether it's, it's body language or, or what it is, it, it impacts the people around us in such a way that, that we find ourselves, you know, basically being influencers without, a huge audience. We are just influencing. And that's a good word that you can use that everybody is accustomed to nowadays through social media and internet and all that jazz. But ultimately, um, the influence that we have on others, what do we want it to be? And verse one and two in first Timothy five, you know, sort of addresses it like on all levels, you know, as a, as a young man and you're speaking to an older man, be sure to not sharply rebuke them. If they're in the wrong, they're in the wrong, but don't sharply rebuke them, you know, um, rather appeal to him as a father. And then the younger men, when you're talking to younger men beside yourself, appeal to them as brothers, right? The older women, you need to address them, talk to them, behave with them, interact with them in a respectful manner and in an honoring manner as if you would mother that you respected or your mother if if you um, have a, a positive relationship if you will and then if not maybe your grandmother but think about it that way when you're addressing other people in the church body and then the same thing uh, when you're dealing with younger women you would address them as sisters in all purity so that is a whole other conversation that we could go into, but there's so much um, covered in First Timothy 5 that I don't want to linger too much on individual line items like that. But there's a whole, whole series of topics that we could address about um, purity and what it looks like to interact with others in purity. And also if you are married or in a relationship that you would want to honor that relationship that you're in by guarding that relationship from outside influence, outside temptations and things of that nature. Um, Mr. Miyagi, best defense, just don't be there, right? So um, we don't want, but also uh, just a, a slight pivot on that subject there is a responsibility to adhere to the word of God in full obedience, right? And so when we're following his commandments, it says, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one of the instructions that are found in the word of God is one, to not be a stumbling block for your other brothers and sisters in Christ. And then uh, two, to not even, not even give the appearance of evil in what you are doing. So... There's a whole teaching on that, but I just challenge you to consider those things and meditate on those scriptures. Find the scriptures, meditate on them, and see what Holy Spirit has to say about that 
So if there's an area that you need to be sharpened in or refined in, even if it's just you're like 90% there and you got 10 more percent to sharpen um, and then you'll get the fullness of that understanding, uh, it's worth the time investment to do so because, you know, we, we don't want to leave this life with holding on to a handful of these things that we were not willing to let go that were worldly, that were temporal, that are like grass here one minute, gone the next, right? That are even in the chasing after wind category. And we're, we're sitting here holding on to a handful of things. And we walked out the purity and the refining and the growing in him and abiding in him process. And we still have this handful of things at the end of our day that we just refuse to let go of, that we rejected God in, that we rebelled against him in. I don't want to have anything in my hands left. I want them all empty. How about you? So it goes into um, our next bit is going a little bit deeper. Okay, here's this is the communication. Let's, you know, be considerate. Let's love others. Let's speak in love. Let's speak in truth. Let's make sure that um, our words are edifying and they are exhorting. They are admonishing, but they are no in no way, shape or form condemning. They're not causing shame or guilt. They're not judgmental. And there's a whole other list. Unkind, you know, uh, if, if we're called to be patient and operate in the fullness of the fruit of the spirit, then the opposite of that would be being impatient with other people, right? Um, if we're not kind, we're unkind. If we're not gentle, we're harsh. You know, what does it look like to replace the things, the ways of this world and the way that that culture interacts with others um, in a way that honors God? We replace them with things that honor God and honor others. So um, it pivots over to widows now. So there's like there's a certain, um, you know, uh stipulation, guideline, criteria, if you will, on what it looks like for the church to actually financially um, and, uh, you know, meet the needs of the widows that are in the church body. So there's a responsibility for the church to take on that uh, weight. And so in in their culture, that was just what it was. That's how, how it operated. This is the expectation. And so then Paul goes in and, and he he literally tells um, Timothy, OK, well, we need to make sure that we're not having having um, things go astray. This this in and of itself doesn't need to be a means for your sisters in Christ that, you, you know, you're you're the pastor of, you know, you're responsible uh, for to stumble, to fall away, to be tempted to do the things that they're not supposed to do, basically. So he's teaching Timothy how to not only train those that are in his care, but he's also teaching him how to equip them to be successful in their walk with God. And so um, one of the things that he says is, okay, I need to differentiate, you know, there might be women who lose their husband at a very, very young age. And yet they have all of this, you know, this uh, life ahead of them. And so we're going to, we're going to make sure to, to note the difference. And then we'll note what that looks like for us to say, okay, this is a widow indeed. That's why it says widow indeed, like three or four different times. There's a differentiation. There's a widow indeed that, you know, Past, past the childbearing years in, in that day and age and culture. And there, you know, there's no, no, uh, they're, they've turned, they've decided to commit the rest of their life to God. You know, they're not interested in men anymore in that like age. They, they don't, they're not going and, and uh, looking for a partner or anything like that at that age. You know, they've got grandchildren, right? And they are they are at peace with where God has them in their lives. And it even stipulates that in here. It, it talks about that, you know, how they you know, she has devoted herself to every good work and it lists all of the um, and that she has a reputation for that as well. 
and she's already brought up her children and she shows hospitality to strangers and she's washed the saints feet and, you know, she's been around long enough to do all these things and she's assisted those in distress and, and she has devoted herself to every good work. Like she is all about God and minister ministering. And, um, and she has, she has lost her husband, right? So she gets, um, she is to be put on a list of those that the church can support and help in this season, later season of her life. And so, um, but the list is not for the younger widows because they can go ahead and get remarried and, um, and not have that temptation of uh, youthful uh, wanton pleasure, if you will, sensual desires, you know, being frank, that's just what it's saying. I'm just the messenger, but yes, it's, um, when you're younger, you have more desire to do things in that, that nature. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, um, but the, um, and of course, you know, if you want more kids, and uh, you only had one in a previous marriage. You know, it's there's a whole lot that we can talk about. We could talk about grief in those situations, what that looks like, you know, for the church to still support someone who has lost a spouse, um, what it looks like for the church to support the children of the person that has um, unexpectedly already uh, checked out and you know, leaving behind a wife and a child or a wife and children. And so I encourage any church leaders to figure out a solution to this, just as Paul is sitting here um, giving Timothy a solution for their common um, cultural times back then. So they already had something in place for what worked with them in their their season of the church body. And uh, it echoes through the years though, that, you know, if it was, if it was important enough for Paul to pour into Timothy before he took charge of this church body, it's important enough for us to at least have a conversation and at least consider how we can be of service to, to those that are in this position of becoming a widow. And if we don't have that solution, what are we doing to have one, to come up with a plan, to support, to provide steps, uh, you know, toward staying close and walking with God to those particular, specifically specified, you know, group of individuals within the church body. So um, I think that that's a challenge to consider if you don't have anything in place right now. Um, it's also something to look at if you are a smaller church and you see that need in your church, you go to a church and you see the need in the church, you're not in the leadership, but um, you you pray about it and God places a burden on your heart for it um, and he puts in you a solution to that that is very important for you to come, you know, come to that that church leadership and offer that suggestion of a solution for that need to be met. And if you're willing to help out with that initiative to get that off the ground and running, that's even better. You know, God put the burden on your heart. Um, and also remember that when God puts those things into, you know, that the atmosphere of your space and you just can't think about anything, but whatever it is he just put on your plate, um, he will provide the means necessary to, make sure that that comes to fruition. So whether it be that you need helping hands to pull this off, um, it's a new ministry branch of the church body, and it's going to require partnerships, sponsorships, you know, different fundraising efforts or whatever. He's going to put those people in place in order to provide that solution to his church body. He loves his church body. He loves the bride, right? And so, um, He's going to make sure that that provision's there, the divine connections are there, and you will be able to be equipped to do the good work that he's called you to do. He wouldn't have given you that if he wasn't going to 
provide for it. He's going to complete the good work that he starts in us all. And so um, I just encourage you to just have it, have confidence in Christ who is in you and step out in that boldness to ask for the yes, because ultimately we all have the answer of no before we even ask the question. So we are by default, if we never ask the question from whether it be for leadership or, you know, from whoever you're dealing with, maybe it's someone at work or whatever, your boss, um, your supervisor, but you're, if you never ask the question, your answer will always be no. So why not ask the question at the chance of getting the yes, right? And so, of course, God gives yeses in advance on top of everything else. And so you just have to you have to be uh, diligent at seeking him and asking him what doors to knock on, too. But if he says to knock on 100 doors and then you stop at 99 and it was literally the hundredth door that you knocked on was going to be your yes and everything was just going to go downhill from there. Would you knock on one more door? So um, just something to think about. I don't know who needed that because I was a little off course there, but that's the application that we're looking at. You know, Paul had a plan here. He was pouring that plan into Timothy and expecting Timothy to walk that out for the betterment of the church body as a whole. And so, you know, uh, we don't want to neglect anyone in the church body. It's um, it goes back to, you know, how we are all knit together. You know, there's a, a way about it that uh, to be a healthy body, um, we would have all of all of everyone would be in operation in the body. You know, we wouldn't neglect the eye. We wouldn't despise the the finger. We wouldn't, you know, reject the hand. We wouldn't try to do everything that we could do on our own and um, and actually just reject the entire rest of the body. Like you don't want to go out and, and try to do this stuff all by yourself. You know, there's plenty of passages. There's one in Ecclesia, Ecclesiastes that talks about, you know, the, the three strand cord, you know, but what happens if it's the whole, only a one strand cord, you know, he's easily tripped up. He's easily snared. Um, but you add two, it gets even better. And then you add three and there's no way nothing can come against it. Right. But we, we must remember that, you know, we're one, we're not alone in this. And two, just because there's a, um, a particular denomination reference on the outside of a church building doesn't mean that that another denomination down the street doesn't want to help just like you do. And it's not until we have these conversations together as a church body as a whole beyond the walls that we'll even have um, solutions for these things. I just encourage, you know, of course, in a lot of my broadcasts and things that I'm doing, I encourage unity, 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 unity. Like we can do more together than we can do apart. And that's, you know, that's in the church, but that's also just in life in general. You know, so what does it look like to partner with people that are gifted in different arenas so that we can uh, come together and fix different areas of society in our local communities, on a, on a state level, on a national level, on an international level. What does that look like? And, and what's so hard about that? Something to think about. You know, does it really matter if, and I, I'm probably going to squish some toes on this, but that's okay. Does it really matter if you dunk somebody in the water or if you sprinkle water on them for acknowledging baptism does it really matter if you do it in a lake or in one of those church things whatever they're called those water reservoirs in the church buildings 
or does, should it matter if somebody wants to baptize someone with a, a fire hose? You know, like, what's it matter? <laughs> At the end of the day, they're baptized. They've honored, you know, others. They've honored themselves. They've honored God. They've acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior publicly. Come on now, you guys. It's it's like um, there's great value in unity and maintaining the bond of peace among the body. And it promotes the ability. It gives the open door for us to come together and actually create real change in a society that is is broken is confused is hurting is rejected is rebelling i'm not saying anything that's not true you guys but if if you desire church leaders and church ministers if if we desire to see these things shift into a kingdom mindset an eternal focus, then we must consider how we're meeting the needs of every single person in the church body. And um, what does it look like to come alongside them and meet them exactly where they're at, just like Jesus met you exactly where you're at. And so I, um, I see that in this scripture. And I also see, you know, the need and I see the solution and I see um, the equipping and the training that uh, Paul was was walking alongside Timothy on before. And it was a preparation as well. Um, he's just making him mindful of the things that could potentially happen and then giving him possible um, solutions, maybe even a workaround or two here, you know, on what that looks like in action to address those things as they arise. Here, you, here are some ways to address this. And then, of course, um, the I, I appreciate back. We'll go back down to fourteen, where it talks about, you know, uh, you know. Well, I guess we could address thirteen. How about we don't be idle? <laughs> How about we find something to do with our time that honors God? You know that that's one thing, um, and uh, that goes they're specifically talking about the younger widows, but I, I want to just express the, the thought here that that probably should pertain to all of us. Um, you know, not to sit here and be idle and allow your thoughts to go from here to the other side all over the place and um and not have that under the obedience of jesus christ you know that the uh, idleness is the devil's playground is something that is commonly quoted but it's true you know you allow him to enter into the real estate of your mind and before you know it because you don't you you're not doing anything and you're just being idle or you're doing busy work being busy bodies um you're not you're, you're allowing too much room for the enemy to come in and deceive and manipulate and lie. And those thoughts that you hold on to through that time uh, can cause harm to you and can cause harm to yourself. So, uh, or ca cause harm to others. Sorry. Um, I knew what I meant. <laughs> but uh, it also says that, and then it expands upon it and says, and, you know, also, you know, gossips and busybodies and talking about, about things not proper to mention. Well, the more and more that we focus on things in this world and the more and more that we get distracted and sidetracked on our walk with God, you know, away from our walk with God, if you will, um, the more temptation there is for us to uh, slide into those old tendencies, um, the iniquities, if you um, not necessarily sins, but um, iniquities, habits, tendencies that we used to operate in um, apart from God. And so that temptation becomes ever increasing the more that we choose um, idleness, which, 
you know, we want to be diligent in seeking the word of God. We want to be diligent in seeking God and his and relationship with him. Um, and diligence and idleness don't go together. They're they're in opposite sides of the spectrum. And so uh, what does it look like to trade out idleness in any area of your life with diligence and seeking God with your whole heart, right? Something to think about. Um, and then, of course, it goes in and it says uh, about, you know, marrying and everything uh, for the younger widows. But the point that I want to highlight is how it says to give the enemy no occasion for reproach. You know, are we being mindful of our our choices of words, um, our choices of behavior, our choices of response? You know, are we being mindful of of those things, like making it a priority to be intentional? about what we meditate on, you know, and, and what we think on and what we believe in so that it also, it all correlates to um, honoring God and honoring others. Are we, you know, and, you know, Philippians 4 talks about, you know, whatever's true, pure, you know, lovely, all of those many, many things, you know, um, excellent and praiseworthy. Those things are, are what we're supposed to think on. Um, but are we being diligent about that all the time? So that's what this particular passage speaks to. And there's an accountability to the word of God in our choices. Um, and of, of course, you know, you know, as well as I do, the longer you hold on to a thought, the, the closer it gets to becoming a reality, um, an action that we take words that we can't take back that we say. Um, relationships that we break, pain that we cause, damage that we do to others um, if we're not careful. But it says to be sober-minded and stay on alert because your enemy, Satan, he he literally roars around, goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour and you give him the opportunity and that's what happens. But this says give the enemy no occasion for reproach. Don't even give him an opportunity. Don't even, again, best defense, don't be there. Um, just, yeah. And so um, in this, the reason he's saying this, though, he points out to Timothy, Paul does, that um, some have already turned aside to follow Satan because this wasn't addressed in the church body by leadership and because there was no expectation of behavior set, you know, um, a helping hands ministry established to help lead and guide people out of the temptation of idleness, you know, the discipleship, the mentorship was missing in action. I don't know. There's so many common day issues that we have in the church body that could be the cause, the root cause behind why those women had that temptation and they they took it. They stepped into that temptation and just fell away. And we don't want that in the church today, but how can we resolve that? You know, and in the understanding, just like Paul is relaying to Timothy, that's the leadership's responsibility. And if they're understaffed or, you know, if they're not able to do that, then what are we doing beyond the four walls that we're in? to connect with other ministries, other local nonprofits, other churches that have a different name on the outside of their building to meet the needs of those that you're entrusted with. It should be like, you know, as far as it depends on me, what am I doing with what I'm supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God is the question that we should all challenge ourselves with. As far as it depends on me, what am I doing about these things that I am responsible for in the kingdom of God for the body that you've entrusted me with, Father? You know, like that's a candid conversation to have. And if pride or uh, anything of that nature, I don't even, I can't even think right now, like the many gazillion excuses of justification of why there's so many denominations in the church body and not unity, not more unity, not 
you know, knocking on doors. There should be there should be so many knocks on doors between denominations to bridge the gap across the the nations, the world, um, to bring unity uh, and help one another grow. Um, that that we can't even keep up with them. We lost track of them as of day one. That's how many knocks on the doors there should be, yet there isn't. And so how can we go about fixing that? Well, we just one knock at a time. You get rejected at one knock, knock again. If he asks you to knock 99 times and 100 is the next knock, you know, like do it again. I don't know. Um, there will be an open door and there will be someone receptive to unifying the body of Christ and partnering and collaborating with you to meet the needs of the body as a whole. The goal would be for us to be praising his name in one accord across the world. We're not there yet. Doesn't mean we won't be. Every little bit counts. So that's another thing. And we're on uh, on honoring the elders is where it pivots to after it talks about um, talks about the widows. And I know that we've we've taken the widows and applied it across in general as well in a couple of these points because they are universal truths that apply to the entire body and apply to how we interact with one another. So. Um, but this dives in in verse 17 and it shifts to that and runs through, um, it looks like verse 22, but it's talking about, okay, so we've got elders in place in the church body. We've got leaders in place in the church body that are doing a good job. They, well, no one's, you know, Jesus even said that I'm, I'm not even good. You know, the only one that's good is my father, but, uh, that are doing well, <laughs> in how they operate, how they lead others. And in this context, it says who rule well. Um, but are we are we being considerate of leadership as a church body? Are we honoring our leaders? Are we praying for our leaders? It says to uh, pray for all those in authority, right? Um, that would include our church leadership. And, uh, you know, how how are we coming in, coming alongside them um, to help support them, to encourage them, to pray for them in intercession, but also to pray in agreement with them for their specific needs to be met by faith? You know, there's there's so much here. You know, are we having those candid conversations? Are we helping to sharpen so that all the body grows together? Those are things to consider, um, but are we doing so in a way that would be classified as double honor, like this scripture says? I don't know. It's something to think about. Are we complaining versus remaining content in any circumstance? Are we gossiping and griping about who did this the other week or or how this was handled or how this was addressed and are we judging our leaders instead and not the testing of the fruit judging but being judgmental passing judgment um, almost in a hypocritical sense if you will or a prideful sense like okay well apparently they're just not that learned in this particular area or they're just not, you know, they don't know what they're talking about in this area. So I'm not going to listen to them in the area. They know what they're talking about. You know, how are we perceiving um, our leaders? How are we respecting them, being considerate of them, being just as we are, you know, sometime, somewhere, they're not superhuman, but somewhere down the road in their life, Jesus met them exactly where they're at they answered the call to lead others that God put on their on their lives specifically, and they're doing the best that they can. But how are we as a church body making sure that 
they still want to do their job next week. You know, that they still want to be operating in the kingdom of God. Are we welcoming our leaders? Are we, you know, um, pouring into them just as much as they are pouring into us? How are we, you know? So that for those who rule well, or let us, you know, consider they're considered worthy and of double honor. Um, but when they're, they work hard at preaching and teaching, yes, for sure, as it says. And then it says, um, he it quotes a scripture here just to reiterate the point. It says, um, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And also that the laborer is worthy of his wages. You know, it's um, it goes to show you uh, if you've got someone that is diligent in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, diligent in teaching, you know, the scriptures to bring them to life, um, diligent to demonstrate the love of God in their example. And they are honoring others and honoring God in all of their ways, you know, um, and they are someone that you are connected with. Um, how can you be of service to them for through prayer, through, you know, friendship, through your relationship and connection? Like, how are you being intentional with that, that person that's in authority in leadership in the church? Because if someone's doing an awesome job and of course, all glory to God, but the, uh, what this says here is to give them double honor. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Am I doing that? And these are those questions, right? And if not, what can we change to meet this, this expectation that Paul is laying out for Timothy in the modern day church? And that way, the next generations can also attest not only to how we did so, but how we taught them how to do so. This is the way, right? 19, uh, verse 19, it says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. My goodness, my goodness. How often does uh, the church body run rampant with gossip based on a false accusation from somebody about an elder? This one person, well, you don't know what he did. You'll never guess what he said. Oh, and you know that this is how he meant it. Or the same thing with um, uh, one of the ladies in church. Same thing. And before you know it, you know, his integrity or her integrity is being questioned. Um, they're being disrespected behind their backs. There's backbiting. There's conflict. There's strife. There's division. There's drama unnecessarily. And it's all because one person said one thing and it escalated super quickly. Instead of following this simple instruction, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Well, what is a witness? It's definitely not someone who who heard it from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone who thought that they saw something or thought that they heard something. That's not a witness. It goes back to how are we loving others? You know, the, the passage about 1 Corinthians 13 comes to mind when we're talking about this. And, you know, I'm, I, uh, I'll, I'll read that last line just to reiterate that. Um, but do you believe all things? Do you believe the goodness in others? You know, do you, are you suffering and with them? But it's, uh, let's just read it. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I just, uh, those, that last passage in verse seven is what came to mind when I was thinking about that. Because, I mean, if you are in a body, in a family, in any type of dynamic, you know, of relationships and connections, you know, there's a, there's a, a bit of a responsibility that we each have to be accountable to, um, you know, build those relationships. And if you've got a, a person that is considered worthy and double of honor, that is, you know, seeking after God with their whole heart, that loves God, loves others, you know, you, he's literally an example. He is walking out the, or she is walking out the, um, you know, living epistle of, of Christ, you know, you can see God in them. And um, then you have someone that is in the church body that says slanders them, basically. Um, our responsibility in the relationship that we have built with this person is to first, you know, test that information that's coming through, um, not jump to conclusions and definitely not pass judgment on someone um, and cause extra harm to that person, um, especially with all the years of service that they've done. But then we also want to, you know, we want to make sure that that they hadn't followed, they have not fallen away as well. Um, but if it's just one person and their character is that of causing problems, causing division, and choosing to um, speak ill of other people and gossip about them then that is your testing the fruit process right there where you are judging the information that is being set before you and whether it's valid or not and operating in the fullness of that discernment. Um, and so uh, truth is truth, you know? And so when, when you go through these things, we just want to be careful and mindful that, that we are operating under the principles that are set forth in the scriptures that we are abiding by that, um, because it makes things a lot easier to deal with. We can find solutions quicker and uh, we can come to resolutions and uh, maintain that bond of peace in a manner that honors others and honors God. And so uh, I just encourage you if, if that is something that you've experienced in the past, or if you have been the person that has egged it on, um, think about the way that you impact others before you speak and before you act on information that you receive and uh, bring it to the Lord first and see what he has to say about these things, because more than likely, Holy Spirit's going to point you into the direction of these passages and you will be in prayer and seeing that this is how I should proceed with this information. And uh, is it just one person or is this three people that are trustworthy that you okay known to be trustworthy in the past that are speaking about these things, um, you know, against an elder, uh, and if if it is and it meets the criteria laid out here by Paul to Timothy, then you know let's move forward on that information, and then we would jump over to um, Matthew to walk out those steps about um, making sure that we bring it bring it up properly. And uh, again, there's, there's solutions to all things, all conflict, all strife and different, different um, varying situations that, that come up in the church body when it comes to getting a bunch of people together, trying to get along with one another and everybody, you know, um, being respectful and considerate of everybody else. Um, there's always going to be that potential for strife and potential for drama, but we can do our due diligence as individuals to not egg it on and to not add to it and to help de-escalate it. And so um, with boundaries that we have in place and those foundational principles that are biblically sound that we have are literally reading right here today as examples of what to do and what not to do in certain situations, um, we can find, you know, that that there's a lot less division and a lot more peace in our church body when we follow through on <laughs> what the word of God already tells us to do. 
So um, it's an obedience over uh, self-servitude, maybe. Maybe like, like serving yourself, um, meeting your needs first instead of meeting the needs of the body of Christ. Or, um, yeah, there's a whole whole chapter of topics that we could talk about. <laughs> but um, let's see. Wrapping this up, I'm just going to wrap it up. And it says, um, you know, he's, he's charging Timothy to adhere to all of these things. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. And do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. And that's sort of what I was um, saying. You know, don't add to what's going on. Um, don't be the reason why things escalate even further than they already are. Don't jump on the bandwagon of drama. Um, you know, just uh, just make sure to live a peaceable and quiet life is what it says for us to do. Um, but we also don't want to do anything impartial in a spirit of partiality, um, just as Paul has instructed Timothy. You know, uh, God is not a respecter of persons, so it doesn't matter you know what title or label is attached to so and so's name. It doesn't make them any different than the new kid on the block. You know, um, just because they're you know this other person over here is related to half the church body, and this one's a new kid in town, doesn't mean that this one wins by default, they all should be treated equally and in accordance with the scriptures when it comes to any type of um, discipline or instruction or admonishing or teaching or equipping. I mean, all of it, um, you know, goes back to the, the heart of the matter of why we do what we do. You know, are we, are we here for sordid gain, you know, um, self, um, self-edification, um, exhorting one's self above, you know, just uh, for recognition and glory, or are we here to, um, to edify and build up others and draw them closer to God if they already know Jesus and, and know God that you're, you're coming alongside them and uh, seeking ways to, you know, encourage one another in the faith, um, or are we are we doing the opposite? Are we trying to get our way? Or uh, put people into positions that shouldn't be there, that aren't gifted for it, just because we know somebody? You know, there's, there's a whole study on that as well. But those are things to consider as leaders. Those are things to consider um in the body as a whole, uh, how we can do better. When you know better, you do better. So um, what does it say in scripture? That's it. That's, that should be it. Like, what does the Bible say about that? What does the word of God say about that? Always bring it back to what we're supposed to be building our foundation on is the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Is what we're dealing with right here or what's coming out of my mouth, or what I'm doing right now today. Can I find that in scripture anywhere? And what does the word say about it? Yeah. Or what would God do if he was right here with me? Like, would he approve of what I just said? Would he approve of what I just did? Would it be, would it be pleasing in his sight? Or, you know, it says that he can't look upon sin, so would he turn away? Would you want your father God to turn away? You know, no, nobody wants that. No one who knows God wants that. It says that I would much rather have not known than to know and not have or something like that. That's a very, very loose paraphrase. Um, I'm sitting here trying to remember an exact translation phrasing of it, but yeah. <sighs> Anyways, so um, at the end, it wraps it up. Um, he's telling 
he's telling Timothy real quick, he says, you know, deeds that are good are quite evident. And the ones that are otherwise cannot be concealed. So just remember God loves you. You know, as far as that's concerned, all this stuff, these are just suggestions of improvement. It looks like in first Timothy five. Um, and he's Paul's just born into Timothy before he becomes a leader of others and uh, making sure that he is addressing all sorts of kinds of areas, but mainly what it looks like to honor others and to treat everyone as, uh, as they need to be treated, you know, in that kindness love and understanding and compassion and different, you know, character attributes that God has already, you know, taught Paul that he's pouring into Timothy to pour into others. So um, I appreciate you guys' time. I know that God loves you, though, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week here on the RSVP show. Thank you so much for listening to this visit of the Declaring War segment by the RSVP show. We hope these moments of reflection and stillness for victory in your pursuit of God were a blessing to you. We encourage you to continue to worship, apply, and read the Word of God every single day while today is still today. Stay connected with April at April D. Metzler through social media. New music singles and her debut music album are available to add to your favorite playlist on streaming platforms. And you can get a copy of her book wherever books are sold. Learn more about the great things she is doing to bless God and His people on her website at AprilDMetzler.com. Thank you for joining this visit with us. Always remember, God loves you. Views made on the preceding program are not those of WVTC Radio, iNetworks Communications, or their financial supporters. Winning Victory Through Christ, WBTC, Allsip Chicago, and iNetworks Communications Station.